How would it feel to have a thriving fitness business and have the freedom to enjoy life at the fullest? Well, that is exactly what the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show is going to give you. My name is Matthew Park. This is Amy Filer. Hey, guys. And we are here to serve. Welcome to the Trainer Revenue Multiplier Show. My name is Jamie Filer. As always, I'm the co-host of the TRM Show, and I'm excited to be here with you today with Alex, uh, CEO, president, everything of ABH Movement. Alex, how are you? I am wonderful. I'm always so pumped to be on here. This is going to be a party. I 100%. And typically, our hair looks somewhat similar. Mine is just the uh, disorganized, chaotic version of yours. Oh my God. I literally am doing this like weird back combing. I've got, I literally keep looking like Pete Wentz. Like I'm doing a throwback early 2000s thing and I'm like, whatever, this is my life now. This is, but that's it, right? Everyone's like, yeah, short hair is so easy. This is, no. It's not. You get the turn up hair when you wake up and you're like, great. I love this for me. Here it is. So yeah. we're not only live on Facebook and there's a video, but at least they'll be able to hear us and we will sound more professional than we look. All right. So let's talk about the topic today is effective communication strategies. And I know that this is something, I mean, I don't know whether to say you specialize in or you pride yourself in it, but from what I know about you, you are an exceptional communicator. What is the, yeah, you can own that for a second. (laughs) Awkward. All right. What is the, I, I believe it. I believe it based on what I know about you personally and professionally, you're an exceptional communicator. Tell me, tell us why communication is so important in general? Oh, I love that. What a great question. Well, first of all, thank you for the compliment. I'm terrible at taking compliments, but I'm working on that. I would say uh, communication is really important to me. I don't actually know if I'm a good communicator. It's just something that I, I really, really value. And the reason being why it's so important is I think with communication and effective communication, you can build in a business context anyway, or whether it's relationships, whatever they might be, more trust, more intimacy, more connection, deeper relationships. There's more creative capacity. If you're like on your team, it holds space for people to really allow their full potential to come out. Whereas when there's a lack of communication or ineffective communication at hand, not only do all of those things not happen, but it also harbors resentment. It leads to a multitude of really hard things happening behind the scenes like uh, Brene Brown talks about this a lot but like the invisible army so people like teaming up behind your back people talking behind your back a lack of trust an increase in resentment and ultimately like a lack of productivity completely and just a really terrible work environment so (laughs) so much to be gained so much to be lost so let's start with instead of saying what is what are effective communication strategies? Let me go back to your comment about the invisible army and let's first discuss ineffective communication strategies. What would you classify or how would you define an ineffective communication strategy? I love that. Great question. So ineffective communication in, if I were to bullet point this, because that's how my brain organizes things, is when you show up with your armor on or your ego up front. So you're walking into a conversation, whatever it might be going, I have a point to prove. I need to be heard. I have a stance and that's my 
point here. And people think like, okay, well, what's what's wrong with that? You do have all those things. And I'm like, great, yes. But a communi- communication involves two people, involves you and whoever's on the receiving end. Whether that's on social media or a face-to-face interaction, it doesn't matter. There is someone receiving what you're delivering. And so ineffective communication, first and foremost, is that ego first image of I am most important here. The second piece of that is <laughs> kind of the flip side of that, disregarding the other person's view or thinking of them as an opponent in some capacity, especially when it comes to hard communication. When you know that you're meeting your best friend for lunch and a coffee, like you probably don't think like this is going to be a hard conversation. That's just hanging out. Yeah. But it's when you yeah. go, ooh, I'm kind of uncomfortable about the conversation I'm going to have. I need to deliver someone some hard feedback or this is someone I don't really get along with. Like, how are we going to talk this through? Seeing the other person as an opponent rather than a teammate is also kind of an indicator of ineffective communication. And the last kind of part of that, I'd say, like people think it comes down to strategies and like eye contact and body posture and whatnot. And I'm like, really, that's very superficial in the grand scheme of things. It ultimately comes down to what you're feeling and your willingness to come to the table with the other person. Like those two things, I think even if we start with that is a lot to work off of. Almost as much listening, like being prepared to to go your 50, but then also hear their their 50. Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, how do you, I don't want to use hype yourself up. That's absolutely not the correct expression, but I can't think of another one. How do you, how do you get in what Tony Robbins would call a state before you have a hard conversation? Oh my God, it's totally a hype up. Oh, you hit the nail on the head with that for sure. Uh, I get really sweaty. I get really anxious. That's not a part of the process. That just is what happens. <laughs> um, Alex's formula for hard conversations, sweaty palms, increased heart rate and anxiety. Great. Totally. hundred um, percent. And then I take some deep breaths. So I recognize that that anxiety that I am feeling is totally normal. I think it's important to start there because we all do feel anxious about it. It's just the reality. I have yet to meet a single person who goes, yeah, I really love having hard conversations. Like fuck right off with that. No, you don't. Alex has <laughs> like, like, no sociopaths in her life. Everybody. So I take some deep breaths. I acknowledge my anxiety and then I go, okay, is this conversation important enough to me that I want to have it? And I, I know that's such a weird question to ask, but the reality is I think some of us like dive into conversations without really understanding if it's a conversation we want to have, if it's a conversation we're ready to have, and if it's a conversation worth having in the grand scheme of things. So I go like, okay, I'm having this conversation because it is important enough to me to resolve it. And then I remind myself of what the other side of this conversation looks like and kind of like leave out the whole window of how is this person going to respond? And I'm afraid of what they're going to say. All the things that are outside your control, you've got to fucking let go of because you, you don't know. They're totally outside your control. So get anxious, breathe and go. I'm excited for what's on the other side of this conversation. And I am prepared to... Like I'm prepared to take off my armor. I'm prepared to just be where I'm at. And I know that I have the best intentions at heart. And that's what I say, like every single time I'm going into the hard conversation, because I think a part of me is subconsciously or consciously prepared for defensiveness or for the other person to think I'm the bad guy. And 
I don't think anyone ever is that. I think we're all really good people with the best intentions, but sometimes things get lost in translation. And so when I remind myself that like, I care, I am a good person, I'm coming in here with good intentions and the other side of this conversation looks so much better, then I feel more prepared going in. Do you ever role play the conversation in your head? Like best case scenario, worst case scenario, you don't do that. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before, though. I think, yeah. Can I flip a question back to you on that? Are you cool with that? Yeah. yeah. Do you, yeah. Is that something you do at, I mean, yes or no? And if so, how does that help you or what does that do for you? So uh, as I'm sure you know, I struggle with anxiety as well. So typically the worst case, I always start with the worst case scenario conversation. Okay, I'm about to have a hard conversation. What is the worst possible way this can go? Because as I'm sure you know, it never happens that badly. Like in life, like you said, people are not bad people. So what I'm thinking they're going to come at me with, not not even like 25% of that. So I need to just get it out of my head. So I'll play it through. Okay. Not only have they asked for a full refund, but I got a one-star review on Google and, and what, and they like floated my name under a bus through the internet. Okay. And then I play the best case scenario, right? They came to me with the, we need to talk, but really what they say is, I hope it's okay that I brought your name up at a business networking group of eight figure earners and showed them your Instagram. Uh, oh, that's what we needed to talk about. Okay. So that's how it helps me. I get to have the worst case scenario out of my head, bare minimum. And then whatever else is, is the best case scenario version of that. I love that. That makes total sense to me. And I totally see the value in that. I, yeah, I guess in a way I, I do do that. In fact, now that I think about it, but it's almost like looking at the worst case scenario and realizing that the worst case scenario still isn't that bad at the end of the day. That's what I kind of do. I don't really go like best case scenario because I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I guess that's, yeah. But I definitely go like, okay, if this goes to shit completely, (laughs) like what can I still cope? Like, am I going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, no matter what happens, I know I'm going to be okay at the end of the day. And yeah, that's kind of my version of that. So you did mention, I think it's important to bring up the super part of communicating. So you mentioned tonality and uh, like, I guess, I guess volume mirroring somebody else's. Um, How come to you, those are superficial or why would they be perceived as superficial? Because remember, I mean, I'm sure people have heard it said that how you deliver something is often more impactful than what it is you are delivering. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, no, I, I agree and disagree simultaneously. I think there's like, value in that. So if we're looking at someone who's already a really good communicator, say they're like a public speaker, and so they're giving a speech, and they're really monotonous the whole way through, then there's some feedback to deliver there that's like, okay, if you change your tone a little bit, you'd gain more receptiveness from your audience, they'd be more captivated. That's one thing. But I'd say those kind of areas of communication, like tonality and body posture and movements, are less about um, ineffective communication or problematic communication and more so about how to deliver a good message even better. So when you're already delivering something that's non-confrontational, you can then go into like, okay, if I'm delivering a speech and I move my voice and move my posture like this, it's going to keep people captivated. But if you're going into like have an argument or like give some really hard feedback to one of your employees, does it fucking matter if you're like leaning in, if you're like, Hey, you're fired. Like, no, like that's, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> it doesn't matter. I see yeah. where you're going with that. Okay. Totally. Yep. yep. Um, in, in the same vein, uh, do you think that employees, uh, okay, let me rephrase the question. How personally do you take things as when they are delivered by your employees? Like, okay, can I unpack that a little bit? Can you give me yeah. like a hypothetical example? Okay, so let's say, uh, you know, employees are off some, not sometimes employees are insubordinate, right? How do you come into a conversation without armor when it's them coming to their boss with something heavy or that they don't like about you? Right. It's easy for like for you to go into the hard conversation. This is you, like if if I invite you to my house, that's my home court advantage. Right. You to an employee or a 1099. Mm -hmm. That's still home court advantage. But what about when the 1099 or the employee comes to you? How do you mm -hmm. take your armor off and say, OK, I can uh, I can listen. Oh, my God. What a, I feel like that that is like the question that we all struggle with. Right. Love and it. this is like I want to say this first and foremost, like my answer now would be probably very different than it would be like a few years ago. Yeah. And it's taken a lot of work, a lot of personal work and reflection to get to the point where like my answer to that now is I don't take it personally, but that's taken practice. That is not who I am naturally. Um, it's a skill that's developed. And what has helped me with that is this happened a few days ago, actually. Um, like one of my coaches comes to me with like an issue that they're having in general with whether it's like technology, the way classes are running and like, how am I going to help? But it, like, how do I receive it? I remind myself first and foremost that like their willingness to actually bring that issue to me instead of pretending it's a non-issue and going on like everything's fine is the biggest fucking deal because yeah. people don't tell you the hard things it is so much easier to like we've all heard the like if you don't have something nice to say like don't say it at all we've all fucking heard that and i think that's bullshit like <laughs> clear is kind unclear is unkind and so when one of my coaches goes hey i'm really i'm personally really having some trouble with this thing that you did a week ago i'm able now to go like, I really appreciate your bravery and like vulnerability coming to the table. Thank you for bringing this to me. Let's talk it out. Okay. Um, but with that said, how they deliver that might trigger some emotional reaction in me depending on how it's delivered. So there's a difference between I'm hurt. I'm feeling hurt and sad by something that happened between us last week. And you pissed me off last week. Like those sound very different because one is a blaming you statement and one is a taking ownership I statement. And so with one of those, the I statement, I'm able to immediately go into, thank you for bringing this to the table. Yeah, let's problem solve this. With the second one, I kind of have to go like, Hoop, suck up my ego and be like, all right, their intention is to bring up a problem. I'm not the problem. The thing is, yeah. but I might need to take some space first. I might be like, all right. Yeah. I'm totally willing to talk about that. I am going to need a moment before I can have this conversation so I can get level headed first and not bring my emotions to the table. And like that ownership of just where you're at is I think what's required by more, more people. And I don't know if they know that's even an option to them. Yeah. Like you don't have to put out the fire right then and there. Like you can go like, okay, that's not even a fire yet. I can give that some breathing room. I personally need to like take some space before I'm able to come in and pour water on it instead of adding more fuel to the flame. 100%. So I have a question for you. Mm. Um, 
you mentioned in your example, you kept saying something, something a week ago. What is your statute of limitations on bringing up something that upset you in the past, right? Like, hey, really upset by that thing from last week is very different than yesterday is also very different than, listen, six months ago, you, uh, you know what I mean? How long do you let things before they're either not relevant and you kind of don't have a right to address them any? You understand what I'm saying? Go ahead. Yeah, totally. I have no time frame for me. It's like up to whoever has identified the problem and two parts to this. One is like a problem is not necessarily a problem when it occurs. It's a problem when there are feelings about it. So like, let's make up, I don't know, make up an example. I could have like an ineffective backend organization system for my classes. Okay. It's ineffective now, but I don't know that now. That might become a problem because I noticed that my system's all out of whack and disorganized six yeah. months from now, then it needs to be addressed. It's the same mm -hmm. thing when it comes to emotions. Like we are emotional human beings and something might've happened last week and in that moment or last year or yesterday. And in that moment, I might've had a little like, you know that gut instinct that's just like, huh, yes. I didn't love that, but like, okay. And you yes. kind of, like it hits you, but then it goes. But yep. then a week later, you're like, I'm still thinking about that thing. Yeah. And a month later, you're like, I'm not only just thinking about that thing, but it actually feels worse than it did then. Uh -huh. And you kind of, it's like, is that thing getting better or is it getting worse? Yeah. And so for me personally, I don't care if someone brings up something that happened yesterday or a year ago or whatever. Like I don't... I, my personal story with that um because whenever that person realized it's, it's a problem is it's a problem for them right fucking now yeah understood yeah. understood um so gut instinct i love that you brought that up because it kind of brings us to the next segment effective communication strategies with clients right because on the one hand they're paying our bills uh on the one hand we often hear in any business the customer is always right but what if you get a gut instinct that this person who is paying your bills and who is, according to the idiom, always right, is giving you this weird gut feeling? Oh, my God. Totally. Uh, so hard. I, this actually just came up in one of my classes yesterday, and I'm going to use it as an example because it was so perfect. It's mm -hmm. um, kind of with a client, but like identical scenarios. One of my class members, so she's a client of mine, brought this up in class and said, oh, my God, I had a difficult. She started a new job. Something came up at work, had some feelings yep. brought it to her boss. And she didn't know whether she could be emotionally reactive basically in the situation, not to the client, but like, just, she's like, do I let this go because the client's always right? Or am I allowed to have some feelings about it kind of thing? Yep. And I will, <laughs> again, like my personal belief is like humans are humans, whether they're paying your bills doesn't make a difference. Like I'm not going to sacrifice my own feelings because you gave me 200 bucks. My feelings are my feelings. Like it doesn't matter. Yep. With that said, like there are now there's professional etiquette. And then there's again, like abrasively responding. And so when you get a gut instinct about a client and whether this is in the initial consultation or a month down the road, or they've been working with you for years and you have to let go of a long-term client, like that's awful. That's such a hard situation. Yeah. It comes back to that realization. That's like, what's more important to me, the money in the account or 
my like respecting my own boundaries and feelings as a human. And there's not a right or wrong answer. And I really want to say that because if anyone thinks like I'm, of course, I'm biased towards one. Everyone knows my business. My business is fucking empathy and vulnerability. I'm like, please respect your feelings. But for anyone who goes take the money and run, great. I love that for you. If you are genuinely happy with that, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you know which one is more important to you. In your yeah. value, for sure. Totally. Yep. Yeah. So how do you then, okay, because it's interesting because you brought up like the stages of, I guess we'll call them bothersomeness, right? It starts as like a seed, but then it plants and it metastasizes and it's no bueno in a year. Yeah. So you had this gut instinct about a client and they keep, and they're fine. So how do you tell them after, let's say three months, this is no longer serving us? That, but like literally you just hit the nail on the head. Like, um, yeah, like there's, there's being, abrasively honest with like, okay, not all of that is required. That's going to hurt some feelings unnecessarily. So you don't need to be like, I noticed this feeling come up three months ago and every day for the last three months, I've decided I like you less and less. So we're done now. Like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I feel like relationships have ended like that hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. But it's so yeah. funny when we talk about clients, we're like, oh my God, I'd never do that. Like, absolutely not. But we think of relationships and people do this in their romantic relationships and friendships. They go, all these times you did these things, I've counted them up and now I've had enough and I'm leaving. That's yeah. the equivalent. It's the yeah. fucking same thing. Yeah. And so instead, like, again, when you notice it, there's softness to bringing it up. That's like, how can you appreciate the journey you've had together? and still recognize that like, this is the end of that journey. Yeah. And there are nuanced differences with how you want to deliver that depending on who your client is. Like that comes back to niche and how your person likes to be talked to. But for my humans, how I might deliver that would be something to the effect of like, hey, I really appreciate the time we spent training together. I, I have noticed that like, I don't think we're the best fit for each other anymore. Like I like real talk. I've, I've spent a little bit of time reflecting on this and I've noticed that like, I just think there is a trainer better suited for what you currently need right now. I don't think I'm the best fit for you. So moving forward as of this date, like I will no longer be available for training, but I'm very happy to connect you with someone else who would be a better fit. And like, are, is your client still likely going to respond? Here's the best case, worst case scenario, right? So best case scenario, they're like, awesome. Thanks so much for letting me know. I really appreciate that. Like, I would love to write you a, re a review. You've been great. And then the worst case scenario is like, what the fuck? Do you not like me? What's your problem? What's wrong with you? And then or I keep paying you. So you have to keep providing the service. No, this isn't like pumping your gas. Like just because you swiped your credit, I can refund that. Yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you can always go through with that. Like if there's money on the table, because people are sensitive with money, you can go, I'm happy to refund you for the remainder of your pack or like the remaining sessions, if that's paid in front. Um, like this isn't, this isn't personal. It's literally like, I just think our needs and interests are no longer aligned and yeah. I'm, I'm moving in a different direction. It's not about you. It's about that type of person right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. nothing's wrong with them. You're just moving in a different direction. That's it. Again, great guys. This is relationship advice. All right. <laughs> How to break up with clients yeah. and your partner. Yep. yep. All right. So we are going to, uh, we're going to slowly wrap up the, the thing I would like to leave with. And then Alex, I will ask you for your last thoughts is 
I'm actually going to borrow from what you said. You said clear is kind, unclear is unkind. I mean, that should be a tattoo somewhere because that should, that, again, that should apply to everything. If you are vague with your clients in terms of what you expect from them and what they should expect from you, if you are unclear with your employees, what they should expect from you, right? And hold yourself to a standard of excellence, but also what you expect. You're paying their bills, right? You're, you're servicing them. You're bringing uh, clients to them. You have to be clear to be kind. Again, relationship 101 as well. So that is what I'm going to end with. So Alex, I wanted to thank you for those two lines of absolute brilliance. And then I would like to know how you want to finish with effective communication strategies. Oh, thank you. First of all, I want to, so just so everyone knows, uh, clear is kind, unclear is unkind comes directly from Brene Brown's power of vulnerability. That is not me. I'm not that smart. That is a Brene Brown thing. Um, <laughs> So for anyone, I'm sure someone has it tattooed on their body, like 100%. But it that quote changed my life. Like it really has changed the way I look at communication. And um, like every single time that voice in your head goes, I want to protect my own. It doesn't. This is the subconscious thought. I'd rather protect my own feelings than yeah. potentially hurt that other person or like have the hard conversation. Like lean into the discomfort. Like. Effective communication comes back to setting your ego and your shit aside and being a team with the other person and coming like prepared to listen with the amount of passion that we talk with. We are business owners. We can talk people's ear off and we have to listen and understand and empathize with that same level of passion. I think that's my end of the end. I am happy to take that and then uh, let everyone uh, ruminate. And, and digest that. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for all of your gold nuggets. This is why you do as well as you do, my friend. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Faye. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. So thank you for the invite. I'm so glad. So glad. Um, guys, if you found value in today's podcast, please share it on your Instagram, your Facebook, follow myself at Jamie 91. Alex is at ABH underscore movement. There we go. I know you're massive on TikTok, Instagram. I believe you have a do you have a public Facebook page, private Facebook page? All of the above. Yeah, it's kind of chaotic. I'm everywhere on all social media at ABH underscore movement, regardless. And you can find all my social from there. Great. Awesome. And then of course, as always, at Trainer Revenue Multiplier. So we are also on all the major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can also join us live on the Facebook Trainer Revenue Multiplier page every Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. Have an amazing day.